0: Delisa Garrier is so unexpected. When you hear about a woman who runs a multi-million dollar real estate development company, I immediately think, shark, shark tank, Barbara Corcoran. But Delisa isn't that. She's meek and mild, sweet as can be. She's always smiling. She got into real estate in her early 20s and eventually got her contractor's license to develop property. One night a few years ago, she got the idea for a community park in a dream. It's become much bigger than that. Storyville Gardens, the theme park, is set to open in 2025 in Nashville, and it's already valued at $1 billion. Delisa says up until this interview, she'd never been able to tell the whole story of the park. She'd always left out the role her faith played in this. Until now, this is Delisa Garrier, The Groundbreaker. But before we begin, did you know you can watch this entire episode on YouTube? Yeah, I know. Every interview, every awesome moment, it's all been captured on multiple cameras in our studio in Nashville. Just know you can always check out these full interviews on YouTube and then also really feel like you're sitting with me with each guest. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, comment on the videos you like best, and be a part of our community. Just look up Amstigator. Let's get started. So Delisa, I like to start with a little series of questions, little okay. game I like to play. Let's I call start. it best time, worst time.
1: Okay. Okay, You ready to play? Let's do it. All right, when was the best time in your life? Oh my goodness. Uh, I would say the best time was, uh, aside from giving birth and getting married. I would say that it was actually seeing something that was in my head, which was story bill on paper to actually seeing it was like giving birth to this, this goal, this vision, you know, so that was probably the best time. When was the worst time in your life? Mm. Um, probably the day that I lost my grandmother. She, uh, she, I think is, is who really cultivated this love for me for reading. And um, she was just an avid reader and writer and published author and things. And uh, the day we lost her and I found out we were here in Tennessee, my sister and I, and she was back in California. And it just seemed like the world was not the same, you know. What was a turning point in your life? Um, that's a good question. I would say when I gave my life to the Lord huge shift, tangible shift. When did that happen? Uh, it happened in 2010. 2010, I think. What changed? Everything changed. Um with my business, with my marriage, with my I mean, it, you just go down the list, everything about my life changed. That day. I mean, it it was it was a tangible shift. I mean, it's a long story there, but just such a difference. When was the greatest moment of clarity in your life? Mm, I think that it was when I realized how God speaks to me. And how is that? Uh, he, he speaks in different ways. Sometimes it's through, through dreams, sometimes it's audibly, sometimes it's in my, in my heart. But um, I think it was really just knowing what was Him, And what was my own thoughts, you know, and having that moment of, of, uh, clarity or understanding. Wow.
0: We could do a masterclass on that. We'll get back. Let's, let's let's remember that one and come back to it. What's something about your nature that you've been able to recognize and overcome?
1: Oh, so, uh, so when I first started in real estate, they did this personality assessment on me and, uh, wanted to see just what my normal nature was. And they looked at me and they said, Alicia, you're probably not going to do very very good in real estate because you're not aggressive. You don't have that, you know. You're you're you you know, you're a little probably passive to so they said what we recommend is for you to dive in and make all your mistakes. And so I, I really held on to that for a minute and I tried not to internalize it, but I realized there's a difference between being aggressive and assertive. And if you can be assertive, then, you know, you can get the job done. What's the difference? It, how do you know it to be? Oh man, I think that people come off as aggressive when they are overbearing, or maybe not overbearing, but when they are um, when they when they when they push, when they know how to push, right? I think that assertive is allowing everyone else to see the perspective and make the right decision, you know. And and I think that that was something my husband and I laugh a lot because he is aggressive. And, um, and in, in, real estate, he always says, I should go sell houses. I'll, you know, I'll do this house. <laughs> and I'm like, w- that's not the best, but I've learned in my real estate career when I used to sell houses, I don't need to sell a house. There is absolutely nothing that I can do to make somebody fall in love with this house. And aggressive people sometimes do that. I always took the stance, the home will sell itself. If it's for them, there's nothing I can do or say to make them, you know? And, and and that was sort of the transitional point mentally for me to know that I can overcome with this personality assessment that says that I won't do well. And obviously I did pretty good, so. I think so,
0: <laughs> I think you did. What do you find yourself saying a lot lately? Like, is there a phrase that keeps coming out of your mouth? Mm. What is that? Uh, it's not faith
1: if you can see it.
0: I love that. Mm-hmm. What have you had to say it about lately?
1: Oh, everything. You know, there's, there's nothing. Um, so if you look at real estate development, you know, you can go to a property, you can't see what's there you, or what, what there will be there. Um, and so it's like in every essence of my life, that is sort of the underlying narrative. And now the Bible says that blessed are those who believed and and not have seen, you know? And so I don't know. That's just the, how do you build a $300 million amusement park? I, 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 I saw it before it was there. So.
0: And it's still not there. You saw it before Uh, it was even dry. It's
1: still not. And I talk about it like it's there. I'm, I'm at opening day already. Because
0: it is there. It is there. Yeah. It's there in your heart. It's there in your mind. It's been there for. Four years.
1: And every single thing has lined up for it to be physical where everybody else can enjoy it. I'm already there.
0: I love that. I love that you're doing this. What's your purpose right now?
1: Mm, uh, My purpose is to be obedient. That is my purpose. Um, and, And what's exciting about that is because it's this constant evolution of the physical side, right? So I could say that my purpose is to build an amusement park. But the truth is, is that I'm just being obedient. It's it's something that, um, that the Lord put in my, in my spirit. He gave me the vision for, and He gave me the tools to execute. Right, just like Noah and Noah's Ark, and and all it took for Noah was to be obedient. No matter how many people thought he was crazy, no matter you know, um, everything that stacked up against you. So, did people
0: think you were crazy with oh, this idea? Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I've had people say, Delisa, not everybody in your circle is in your corner. And I, and I saw that because there were people on my team who didn't really believe, you know, how did you handle that? Uh, I prayed and I allowed them to weed themselves out. Um, and I, I never burn bridges. I, I have great relationships with, with everyone, but the people, there is a season, right? And a reason for every, everyone throughout this, but um, the spirit of discernment, just being able to, to know and see who's supposed to be where to get, it, to get the job done.
0: Hmm. When did you know your purpose was your purpose?
1: Um, when the Lord tells you to do something and you don't do it, that feeling is how I knew that I needed to be obedient for the rest of my life. You know, um, I heard someone say, if you want to live a miserable life, don't do what he's telling you to do. And, (laughs) and so because of that, I think that more than anything, I chase the, the feeling of fulfillment and, uh, it's so much different from anything else. I don't, I don't chase a project because, you know, because it's pretty, or because it'll make a lot of money. It's, it's more about that that peace, that that feeling of fulfillment that drives me every day.
0: Yeah, that's so wonderful.
1: Let's take
0: let's take a step back to when you started in real estate. When someone told you this wouldn't work out for you,
1: tell me where you were, how old you were, what was going on in your in your life. So starting off in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the, the, the decision to either, I had to make the decision of either going to medical school, which is I was biology pre-med in undergrad, or dropping everything I was doing to help my husband grow his automotive company. I had no desire to be in the automotive industry. <laughs> Actually, I grew up, my, um, my uh, biological father is in the automotive industry. And I said, I would never marry a man in the automotive <laughs> Because you're like, no, yes, <laughs> none of him. I know. Moving past that. Exactly. The hours, the, you know, just all that stuff. So I dropped everything I was doing and I helped my husband grow his business. And we, we grew it from just just about $100,000 a year to doing uh, just under $10 million a year. And I was running the entire back end of that operation for probably six years. How did
0: you do that? Oh, you man. not having, I mean, you were thinking you were going into medical school. Mm-hmm. How did you apply what you do and how you do it to to grow that business? At I mean, how old were you? Like twenty three?
1: I was twenty one. Twenty one. I was twenty one when I first wow. started. And when I the the day that I decided I was going to help him, I didn't even know how to write a check. I mean, I had absolutely no business experience at all. Uh, but there's what I, what I did have was. Um, What's the word common sense right <laughs> and 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 you look around and you see what's missing i think that i've always been a problem solver all my life uh to this day i cannot go a day without doing a puzzle whether it's on the phone you know wherever really? it is it, it is just does it keep you sharp it i think it keeps me sharp hmm. that is what it, it that is the fulfillment for my brain like even if i'm watching a movie i'm at the same time doing a puzzle or something it is no. the oddest thing. My husband hates it, but anyway. <laughs> um, so I've always been been a problem solver. So I look around and I'm and I'm thinking, what are we missing? Well, he doesn't even have a business license, you know. And and just looking at different things that that I know that that you you need. And if I didn't know, I Google what, what's missing. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I took just one step every day to to fill that. And I don't have an accounting background. But I know that um, I was always really good with numbers. So if you look at, you know, a, a business, I don't, I didn't know anything about business. You were 21 too. Like, that's I was. incredible. I was. and But, but you know that here's a, here's an invoice, here's the income, right? And, and you, you do simple math. That's all it was. And, and then as we grew, of course, the, the math, the math was still simple, but the numbers changed. There were, were quite a bit more commas and. Uh, and zeros, but I, I find that in, that part interesting to you mm-hmm. because, or interesting to me rather,
0: about your story, you went from dealing with a hundred thousand dollars in a business, your husband's business. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in the business that you've grown.
1: Yeah. Is there ever a
0: point that you look at those numbers and go,
1: "Wow, that's a lot of money,"
0: that's or how do you treat question. money
1: now? So I think that I went through this training. I look at the dealership as a as a training, it taught me everything I needed to know, not only about real estate, about everything. I was depositing anywhere between 60 to 300,000 a day, you know, wow. and what it did was, it removed any feeling that I had about money. I was no longer connected, there was no longer any feeling. Like an emotional connection There was with money. no emotional connection with money. All it was, was numbers. And the numbers were this. The num- it was simple math. And as the numbers grew, it just became simple math. And so now, you know, I have uh, just over a quarter billion dollars worth of real estate development going on, not including the theme park. And it's just simple math. Wow. Yeah. So
0: okay, let's talk about how you guys got out of cars. Mm-hmm. How you, or or not even got out of cars. How you started going into real estate development, because you were doing both
1: at the same time, were oh, yeah. you, for a long time? Yes, for a long time. So in 2011, I became a licensed realtor. And I just thought, well, this will be something fun for me to do because my husband's running his car dealership. And and funny story about that, I, um, I, I started at Keller Williams. And I said, well, now I'm licensed. I've got a brokerage. I'm leaving the automotive industry. I'm going to go and sell real estate. So, were you 24 at this time? I, I think to make I was, sure. uh, my math might be off. I think I was probably like 22 or 20. I mean, it oh, happened wow. right after. And so I dropped everything I was doing and I started going to the Keller Williams office. And for two weeks I sat there and I'm like, okay, I'm about to sell some houses. Where, where are the people? <laughs> you know, and who am I selling to? And they're looking at me like, you've got to, go get the people to find people. Yeah. And so I I looked at my husband. I said, well, I don't think it's going to work out with me in real estate. So I guess I'll just come back and help you at the dealership again. And he said, he was like, that's fine. You know? And so I started that month. I had seven houses under contract in your first month from his clients. Wow. So I was doing in 2011. Invoices. I mean, the, uh, the economy was still terrible in 2011. It was it was a it was a it was coming up. It was the poster. Set, I mean, and we're in Nashville. So things were a little different here than they were in the rest of the country. But um, it was also a very interesting time because there were people who were they had 13 percent interest rates. You know, they needed to wow. get out of their home that was eating them up and uh, they would they came and they said, well, we might have to short sell or I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm almost in foreclosure. I haven't paid my mortgage in in this amount of time. And, and I looked at them and I looked at my husband and I said, we could probably help them because here are families who, you know, really just needed, needed help. And, um, so we would invest in their home you catch would spend up. you would spend your own money sp- in their house. We did, yeah. we did, and and it was really feel good work. These are people who were longtime customers, or and and so we would catch up their mortgage. We would move them out, and then we would fix up their home because there was profit there, but they just couldn't access it because you know because they didn't have the capital to do it. Yeah, and so we would sell the homes for a profit and split the profit, or uh, you know, and and. It helped us help families just maintain dignity and yeah. save their credit.
0: Well, well and, and they're people you know, right? So you're you're keeping them, saving their credit, which has long-term implications. Mm-hmm. And then they're friends of yours, and then you're making yeah. money here and there on that process. Right. How many years did you do that for before you started moving into some other space?
1: Uh, probably a couple. I mean, you know, there was this market increase. So it was just really during that time Probably two years or so, and and then we had clients come to us that needed to get out our partnerships, or they needed to sell land, or and so before we knew it, we were buying property just as we were running the dealership, as I was selling houses, and we owned a lot of land around the city. So naturally, you know, you you see raw dirt and you think, uh, what does the community need here? So we would hire an architect, we'd hire a builder to come in and develop the property. And so uh, that just, it, it, it grew. And one day I realized that my mom builds bridges. I can probably build a house. So I went and got my my, my contractor's license and started building for for ourselves. That's amazing. How many years ago did you do that, your contractor's license? 2015. Uh,
0: wow, so this has been many years on now that you've been doing this. Yes. So, so walk me through the point that you decided theme park. Now I know I know it wasn't always a theme park. I know it was something
1: different in your mind. So start with where it where it began. You know, I it it started off really with with the need. So I'm a mom of three. We were driving to Atlanta, Chicago, St. Louis in order to go find things to do that were engaging for the whole family. And uh you know, I always say in real estate development, I'm tasked with the responsibility of of creating something that'll last a lifetime and ultimately impact generations. And And when you look at just the need here for families, uh, Nashville is the you know, best bachelorette place and <laughs> yeah, right. tourist place there is. But, but when people are bringing their families here and you see a five-year-old walking down Broadway, it just kind of makes you icky, cringe right? a little like, bit. I, I think
0: the same thing. And I've had friends come into town, I'm like, there are places you can go and let yes. me tell you where those are. Here's yes. where you can go.
1: Yes. But and you're wanting to create something even more than that. That's right. So I grew up in Oakland, California, and we always had some sense of adventure. I don't know. It was probably just my mom um, just always wanting us to feel like children. And um, and so on the other side to that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said that um, we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors we borrow it from our children mm. which means that we have a responsibility to be intentional intentional about everything that we do and and so that that fueled me in, in ways is hard to describe but on the on the other side to that uh, the, the literacy statistics are a huge problem. So there was a study that I was in, I was in this conference and I heard about the, this study that was done and they said, that um four out of five children are not up to grade level reading
0: four out of five in in the the state of tennessee oh
1: my gosh we are number 48 out of 50 with our literacy statistics Um, and they said that if we can get a child to read for fun based on this study test scores will increase and it just unlocked something in my in my mind and connected the dots with me already on this path of wanting to bring just something whimsical and fun for for families and children to, if we can do it with the intent to promote literacy, then we can truly make an impact, you know? There's that intentionality um, that that's missing in so many places. Yeah. And so that was how everything got started. I,
0: I love though that, you know, in our, in our society, we always say, well, I, I have, this dream to do this. This is my dream. This is my dream. You had literal dreams and continue to have literal dreams yes. about Storyville.
1: Yes. It was interesting after that moment where I realized that this is what the Lord was calling me to do. And those dots were connected. He guided me through dreams. He guided me through, um, just messages in different ways, but, um, interesting sort of story about how I chose my design company. Uh, I went to this big convention. It's called IAPA. It happens every year in Orlando. It's the whole theme park industry. And I met all these different designers and I happened to meet this one guy at the most unlikely place. And his name is Mel McGowan. He uh, was one of the designers of, uh, uh, California Disneyland and has just done some monumental things in the theme park industry. And he told me about his company, Storyland Studios in Southern California. and um, he he really wanted to talk about doing, you know, bringing my vision to life on paper and and being one of the designers. And I was just about to go under contract with another firm, and I kept having dreams every single night that I was in the park, and it was terrible. <laughs> which is awful. I mean, that's a nightmare. Would you wake up and go,
0: I woke up, this is terrible. This is terrible.
1: I would wake up my husband and I'm like, I was in the park and it was terrible. And he said, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Right. And so, um, in your heart though, you knew, right. Something was wrong, Something was, but I didn't connect it to the designer. It was just an interesting, uh, thing. And, and then the day that I was going to sign that other contract, I received a connection request on LinkedIn from Mel McGowan. And I said, wow, I said, let me call him. I remember him from, and I called him and he said, my team and I are coming to Nashville in two weeks. We'd love to sit and talk to you. We'd love to do a blue skies at that time to really pull your vision out and we'll match whatever price the other company was was doing. Oh, wow. And I went to, I said, okay, I'll think about it. Send me over a proposal, I'll look at it. I went to sleep that night. I had a dream that I was in the park and it was perfect. Do you but remember any of the details from that dream? I could not remember <laughs> one detail. When it was wow. terrible, I remembered everything. I couldn't remember one detail. And I woke up and I laughed and I, I told my husband, I said, that's the guy. It, this is it. That's this is the guy.
0: Man. When was that?
1: How many years that ago? That was
0: 2017?
1: Still 2017. 2017. Wow. Uh, early. Oh, no. It may have been um early, early 2018. Okay. Because they came out in early 2018 and we did a huge big blue sky event with just some key people in the city.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, I mean, in the four years since that time, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been so much that's happened. Yes. I know we, we've talked about before about, you know, when you initially set out, you thought this is going to be just a small thing. Just yes, be small. It's just a thing that for families here and there, yes. it's become so much bigger.
1: So much bigger. And, uh, you know, my original vision was to do this eight, 10 acre park that was just whimsical based off of books and stories from all over the world. But we ended up hiring a feasibility consultant and really looking at the market, right? Because that's what drives the numbers. That's what drives the cost. That, that's what ties back to that simple math. And, um, and we found out that Nashville is one of two places in the entire United States that had a successful amusement park That's no longer in operations. Opryland had, they did two and a half million people a year back in the nineties. I had no idea before Nashville was, you know what? And and so it's interesting now every day, there's someone who comes up to me and tells me a personal story about Opryland. It was their childhood. Wow. And so the most fulfilling thought is to bring, you know, this next generation coming up of children and young adults that they'll have their their childhood they'll have their park you know yeah that's amazing it is
0: something that that really stood out to me about not just your story but what what you're about to create and it and it comes from just even being on the the website for Storyville Gardens mm-hmm. and seeing the tagline that's been created in in kind of concert with this concept and it's words create worlds yes and when i read that it hit me because i thought I mean, certainly it, it's 1,000% it fits what you're saying. Words create worlds. We read, a, we read the words yep. and then we are transported to a world. There it is. Yes. But there's something so much deeper and yes. so much grander and bigger to that that yes. I feel like kids don't understand. Only adults really begin to understand. Yes. It's like the words we say yes. create the world that we're in. We have that power when they brought those words to you and said, this is what it's going to be. Words create worlds. What was that moment like for you?
1: So it's so many layers, right? I mean, it's so many layers to that. It's hard to even, we don't even have enough time, but (laughs) try me. (laughs) But, um, so I, as I said, I grew up in Oakland, California. Right. And so if, if you imagine just the hustle and bustle of a big city, right? You, you hear the, the noise, you hear the traffic, you hear the dogs barking. And then there's these four walls. And in these four walls sat a little girl who had the privilege of traveling all over the world. She traveled to mystical places, worlds that hadn't been created yet. Yet she didn't leave the confines of those four walls. And that was me. And I did it they books. And so, um, you know, the the essence that words create worlds is true. And it is it's 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 not only true uh, in just in reading and, and stories and children, but even how we're here, at least the, the, the best book to me, the Bible, the Lord said, let there be light. Those words were spoken. And so. It's so many layers and and that was that moment of, it just all came full circle. Yeah,
0: well, I think it probably comes back to something you've said before, which is it's not faith if you can see it.
1: Mm -hmm. You know,
0: We have to say the words that we want, the things that we want, the world that we want.
1: Yes, we do. Uh, My
0: mom, I'm from from a very religious family, very spiritual family, and I mean, oh gosh, I grew up always, you've got to speak it, you've got to speak it, you've got to speak it. And there's, I think only now in adulthood, do I understand the the power of our words. Whether someone's spiritual or not, there's neuroscience now that backs this up, that the words we say have that much power. So much power. Where where is there a time in your life where you felt like you've had to speak
1: something to make it so? Oh my goodness. I I feel like that happens every day. You you know, it's like we're we're on this journey um, to whatever it is that we're doing. And you have the ability to choose not only what you speak, but also what you think, right? And 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 you see the physical manifestations of that every day. You know whether you choose to. I think it was Napoleon Hill said, um, well, whether you, uh, whether uh, what what is the, he said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way you're right. Yeah. And and so. It's such a huge power behind words that I cannot wait for the children, the families to just come and engage with what we're planning for Storyville. Yeah.
0: Well, how about in your own life? Let's talk about that. Okay. You know, because it's so easy for me to sit here and I'm talking to you because of what is in motion. Yes. You know, like I know you because of what you're planning, what you're building. Mm-hmm. The time this episode comes out, you'll be announcing where you're building this incredible... However many-acre theme park in Nashville, and it's a huge undertaking. So this is how I know you. Yes. But there is no overnight success. I mean, you've right. been working toward this, you know, chipping away at things like this since you were 21 years old.
1: That's right. So what
0: were the worlds you were creating with your words at 21 oh, and man. 22 and 23?
1: I, I feel like I went through this interesting process socially, right? Where it was time. it it wasn't time for fun and games anymore. It wasn't time for hanging out and going to, you know, to bars with friends and and that impacted my social life, but it was time to focus. It was time to to get the work done. And I think that we, we over or underestimate not only our words, but other words that are spoken from other people. And so, you know, Sometimes we're pregnant, right, with the with these ideas, and you share it. Maybe you share it to a friend. Maybe you share it to someone who doesn't see it like you do, and their words kill your vision Mm. because you allowed them in. And so there was this time of um, a focus for me to really just pay attention, get the work done, and now I look back and it's been, you know. 13 years, but (laughs) yeah,
0: I want to explore that more with you, that, that inner focus, that, um, it's almost like a resoluteness, right? That you have to have. I mean, what's the point that you understand what you're creating? I mean, it could be anything, but what's, what in your mind is the point where you say, I am creating something that's going to be so big and so important. No one
1: needs to know. know. No one
0: deserves to know yet because they're not, no one else gets a say.
1: Yep so uh so the small part of this and when i really saw this was when i was pregnant with my first child i happened to be uh 22 or so and everybody asked me well what are you going to name him and i started telling everybody his name and everybody had opinions
0: yeah oh gosh
1: and 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 that was when i realized i don't need anyone else's opinion on something that I'm carrying. Yeah, it's not their choice. It's not their choice. And it, and it didn't only translate to pregnancy. It was a life lesson for me that what I am carrying, what I am birthing in business, in life, whatever, um, I don't need anyone else's opinion. I need to trust that the Lord has given me, you know, what I need to get it there. And now there there's a point where you have to start building a team and that team has come from me from all different places to to really get us where we are. Um and those were people that I did share it with and they they added to it. Mm. Right. And but it wasn't just for talk. When I shared it, it was because I knew that someone had something to bring yeah. to it.
0: I, I wonder if this has happened to you. I I've been in a place too, you know, over the years where I've I too have shared things that were special or important, Mm -hmm. had them shot down by people I love and who love me. And it was devastating. And I too said, oh, wow, it's not their choice. I I became very hurt by those kinds of episodes Mm -hmm. and I closed myself off. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, I mean, I feel like even now, maybe as a woman in her mid thirties, I feel like I'm only now beginning to climb out of that hole that I built for myself. Yes. Because I, couldn't deal with the hurt from
1: that. What what would you say to that situation? Have you been in that before? I would say people don't realize that they're tearing down. You know, I, I think that a lot of people we surround ourselves with have good intentions, but I think sometimes have limited vision. You know, a lot of people have, they have opinions about things that aren't their vision. Yeah. That's, and, not theirs, right? mm-hmm. that's not
0: theirs, right? That's not theirs. They weren't given that. That that's wasn't right.
1: theirs. They were given something else. That's right. And whether they choose to do something with it, that's, that's them. That's theirs. But uh, uh, I think um, there was this interesting time, too, where I realized that not everybody's definition of comfortable is the same. Not everybody's definition of being fulfilled is the same. most people never even know to seek fulfillment. Yeah. Well, what is fulfillment to you? Oh, man. How do you describe it? Well, it's different for you, so we'll have to figure out a way, (laughs) right? How how do I describe fulfillment? I would say that there's this there's this thing that comes into my into my gut, right, into my that there is that something needs to be done, and not being able to rest until it's done is that fulfillment for me. One example is, uh, my church. I am, I've, I've been a part of building this ministry for a while. And for the last five years, we've been in this small little 1600 square foot space in a strip mall in between two liquor stores that we were renting, you know, for, but it's okay. That's where, you know, God put us in, and we were praying for a new building. And it's funny because it, I bought a new house and I was so excited about my house, but I felt something in my spirit. Just something was off, was off. And I prayed that the Lord would help me find a home for that church. And I found it and I bought it for the church and that feeling of fulfillment. It was better than buying that, my home. To me, that, I want to push you on that because that to me,
0: that doesn't sound like fulfillment. That sounds like obedience, right? Which is back to your purpose. And I think the
1: two are so parallel. They're so parallel. To me, you, you receive that fulfillment through obedience. Even when, even, when, even when I feel like the Lord is telling me to do something that in the, in my, my, my entire physical body does not want to do. Yeah. there is some element of fulfillment.
0: I want to I ask you about this. Like, based on your experience, I'm just curious. Do you feel that women have a different connection to spirit, to gut than men?
1: Different? Yeah, just yes. different. I think it's different for sure, yes. And, and how do you see it as different? Mm, I think that we naturally are more emotional. And so... Um thinking about my husband in order for him to do what the Lord says it's like the Lord has to push him to do it. I'm like the God only has to tell me once. <laughs> <laughs> um and and it's funny because I have I have three children, two boys and one girl and I see it. I see the difference with them as well. My daughter, she's five, she just started singing in the choir. Nobody asked her to do it. She's just doing it. She's just doing it because she felt she said I, I want to go and do this. You know, and so it's right. just a I think that there's um that there's an extra level of sensitivity sometimes, uh, with with you know, with us. Yeah.
0: And I and I, I do feel that. And I wonder I feel like I became so much more attuned to it once I became a mother. Mm-hmm. Like you, I also have two boys and a girl. Our age our kids ages are just different. But mm-hmm. um you know, it's interesting. It's just interesting how much, you know, I, I feel like from my own perspective, becoming a mother helped me give myself grace, it helped me give other people grace. Yes. I was always such a like push, 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 go, 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 go. Yes. And the only thing that knocked me back and slowed me down was children. Mm-hmm. Because you just suddenly, I mean, <laughs> you're just responsible for so much. Yes. You have to go so much slower because you're dealing with these tiny humans, yes. they need you, and if you have a heart at all, you yes. give them what they need, know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I feel like, having that and then having this connection to these tiny people mm-hmm. it, it forces you to think so differently because you're yeah from the very early days I mean you're communicating with someone who can't communicate that's right so you have to rely so much on yeah this child needs this this child needs this so I feel like women I think as women we just get this workout all the yes. time of that
1: you know by the sound that they make yeah what they need you know and and so and there's this this sensitivity that is just sharpened mm-hmm. through motherhood, at least for me, and yeah. it sounds like for you And too. How,
0: did that, how did that affect you in business, you becoming a mother?
1: Um, I would say that it heightened my spirit of discernment. Um, and, and it's interesting because there is a, a, a sensitivity you need to have when it comes to who do you partner with? Who do you bank with? Who do you, you, you know, especially in growing a company as we have, what property do you, you know, yeah. you, you buy a property and then you, you realize it has a sinkhole, you know, it just, you just never know. And being able to, to, to go with that, you know, that spirit of discernment, that sensitivity to make decisions. this what's gotten me here.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Trusting that. Right. Trusting. And I think, I, I think, there, there's so much that each person individually can do to get to that point. I mean, it doesn't have to be over multi-million dollar decisions. That's it can right. be the smallest things. It's you like know? a muscle,
1: I say. I say it all the time. It's like a muscle. You use it, and it grows. And mm. the more you use it, the more that it grows. Yeah. So. That's so interesting.
0: I love that. Do you feel like you teach other people on your team that, or do you bring people onto your team that already have that ability?
1: Uh, I think that, well... I have, I have a few different teams. And so, and I think that (laughs) you're a busy lady. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that everyone brings something different and they, they lean on me and ask questions. But the interesting part is I'm, you know, 20 years younger than most of the people on my team. Wow. And so, um, they, you know, it's this, it's, it's an interesting balance, but, uh, we have, we have good conversations. <laughs> <laughs> do you
0: feel like you've taken a role as advisor, as teacher, as mentor? What do you think your most prominent role is right now in your life? Mm. In, in, in terms of it's life, like, life. or do you feel like, do you feel like they've all sort of meshed into one, one role all the time? Or are there like lots of hats All the
1: I time? think I have lots of hats. Uh, I think professionally, I'm trying to get used to being in the, you know, in the boss seat. It's not that I'm not used to being in it, but now here I am, you know, doing all these things that requires me to be the ultimate decision maker. Yeah. And so, uh, it's a, it's a interesting place to be. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and it was a natural progression there. I've always, I think, been in that position, um, but now I'm just dealing with a lot more. Right. And everybody's looking to you because they want to, I mean,
0: look, they want to make you happy, right? They want to execute what you want. And that's right. I I have to tell you, I just think it's, it's just incredible to me because when I was reading your rap sheet, all the things you've done, I mean, the fact that you're already in the hall of fame for enterprising woman, like you have done so much at 34, right? By 34, you've done so much. It would make a person's head spin. Yes. And if you were going to say to me, Lauren, carve out the person who's going to walk in the door and be this mogul. Carve out, who is that person and what are they like? I would have never expected someone so meek and mild and pleasant. And, and I mean, I've thought of a shark. I thought Laurie <laughs> Grenier. I thought Barbara Corcoran. And she's going to be hard, hard, hard all That's the right. time and sharp. Man, you got to be on your toes. And then you graced my doorstep and you were the kindest oh. and gentlest and <laughs> calmest person. That's it's so, so funny, funny, which is why I love that
1: story you told. Yeah. I love your story of like, mm, maybe you can't do this. Boy, were they wrong. They were wrong. Well, and I think that that all boils back down to to the assertiveness, right? And I pray all the time and I say, Lord, teach me when to be a lion and when to be a sheep. And so... The lion's there when it needs to be, um, but usually through being assertive, and I think through having the ability to to forward think and to look at every single angle, it's like putting a puzzle together. Yeah. Um, that it keeps it keeps the team balanced, it keeps everything on track, and uh, usually it keeps me from having to.
0: I put do. I do feel like women have a better sense of that, truly, yeah. of when to be that and and when not to be that. <laughs> you know when it's needed
1: and yeah. when it's not that's right yeah my, um you haven't met my husband yet but he
0: uh, he, <laughs> he doesn't know, have like that the,
1: sense he, <laughs> I'm the nice one so <laughs> do you have to play like good cop bad cop don't let me call my husband I think naturally you know naturally uh, i've had i've had one of my project managers say well we should sic your husband on him Yeah, you know he's <laughs> don't just do a, that oh I lord <laughs> he's just a different he's just a different type of guy but he's a uh, definitely a man of integrity and, you know, so. He just runs at a different speed, doesn't he? Yes, like he it's just does. A he's just
0: running up he here on a different speed. jet.
1: Yes, <laughs> going, and I'm just, you know, cruising. Maybe it's tortoise and the hare. That's right. right. Who always
0: wins. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about timeline for Storyville. So, you know, anybody who sees this, they're going to say, well, oh my gosh, like, tell me more about this place that, yes. you know, hasn't been built. What What's your yes. timeline and when will people oh be goodness. able to be in this place that that you've created and your team is
1: created. Lauren, I am not a good secret keeper. I am like I am bursting at the seams. You to don't just, have to keep any secrets. Oh, you can share. I would probably get in trouble from all of my consultants and lawyers. Um but uh I am bursting at the seams to just get through the next step. But there's some, you know, technical things that need to happen first on the back end. So we're planning to announce the location. That's step one. Um, all of our design team is in full throttle on on our location and just you know moving plans forward, so we can hit our uh, our design. Our um, sorry, so that we can hit our groundbreaking. Yeah. So what's yes. like groundbreaking is when groundbreaking will be in twenty twenty two. So probably fall. You know, we were hoping spring, but you know, nothing moves as fast as you want it to. Right? So. It doesn't. It doesn't move at the speed of Delisa. That's no, it for sure. doesn't.
0: <laughs> All right. So then, when will people be stepping foot into Opening this place? Opening the doors, twenty twenty-five. That's incredible. It's gonna be great. So from the point, like, I just want to think through this math here because from the point that you first envisioned this place, yes, it's twenty seventeen. Yes. Right. And to the point, people can be feet on the ground. It's 2025. That's right. I, I have this thought about about purpose, and um, and this kind of illustrates it. Mm-hmm. I think like when you when you think about purpose, purpose isn't a single year event. No. Purpose isn't a. This is what I'm going to do this month, and it's over. That's right. It's it's multi
1: multi year multi facet. you yes. Feel that. Which is why I think my answer to the question of purpose is just being obedient. Because I know that if I if I answered you based on what I'm doing right now, you know, that's going to change. Honestly, the park is not my it's not my end all. You know, yeah. I have visions for multiple parks all over the U.S. You'll be 37 by the time this one opens. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot of life left. I've got a lot to do. I'm just getting started. I don't even know what else is coming, but yeah. you'll just be obedient for when it comes. I'm just doing it.
0: Yes. Yeah, I love that. I, I I don't know did we talk specifically about where the idea came from I mean w- weren't you with your husband and you had this idea and
1: a Oh car my ride? goodness what? so um several things happened so first there you know me growing up and going to this small little park called Fairyland in Oakland California um really just I don't I don't know what it was but it was this place where when I walked there and we saw these almost like these pearly gates, right? It was <laughs> when We're you, a child. I know, I met. It was like the most whimsical. I'm every time that I went there or thought of it, this feeling in my you know, in it, my yeah. spirit just it was just joy. Yeah. And and so then I look at my children and I think about what are we doing? Yeah, what they need an an opportunity or an experience like that to feel activated. Exactly. And so I had this, you know, this this desire to bring them joy like that. And not only them, but all the children in the Southeast, you know? And, uh, and so as we walked, uh, as we walked down that path and I said, well, we should just build a small little park. I'm thinking it'll cost us like $3 million and have 10 acres of land with some cute little books. I went, I was on the airplane headed back from California. And I think this was probably about uh, December of 2016. And this lady was sitting behind me on, uh, on the plane and my kids were jumping and playing and talking and, and she and I started talking and I asked her, what was the most fulfilling thing you've done in your life? And she said, I built a park. And so all my whiskers stood up, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this is the person I'm supposed to sit to. This And I'm supposed to see. And She said, uh, I built a park and and it was a community park. It was just right across the street from her house. It was this empty land. And she fundraised the money to get swings and all these things and she helped design it. She helped fundraise for it and it was her vision and the community loves it to this day. And I looked at my husband and I said, we can build this park, we can do this. And he said, okay he said you need to find a way yeah. and and so it, so there was this seed planted for the park and the adventure and the joy and then later I was in this convention as I shared um where they were talking about literacy statistics and the challenges that our children the next generation and what are we you know getting ourselves into with allowing this to just morph out of control and um the dots were connected, yeah. Just on the basis that if we can get them to read for fun, yeah, then the test scores will be increased. So here we are. We added a couple zeros and commas to that original budget, <laughs> uh, but 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 every single every single attraction in the park, there's an intention behind it. There is uh, thought and 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 purpose behind it for a child interacting with words, for the young adults being immersed in these books and stories. So so here's one example. Last Christmas, uh, I bought my my older boys uh, the book series Trapped in a Video Game, written by Dustin Brady. Awesome series, it's a book series. My oldest read it, and then my, he was six at the time. He read the whole series, or almost the whole series. And And I had this theory, I said, let me call my illustrator. I I did it, I didn't tell anyone. I called my illustrator, draw a ride around this book. So he illustrated several images of a ride around trapped in a video game. And so later that night when I received the images, I sat my boys down and I showed them the images and one of them he jumped out of his chair the other one started screaming they are running they were like the sand dunes the claw and and oh you're and they're in this ride and they're going through the tv and there's these big huge soda cans and all these things and and they are seeing on paper what they imagined from reading book right
0: and up to this point the only things that the only examples we have like that are from movies right okay. i mean disney gave us movies that's right and we have rides of the movies so so in a way those images already existed because we've seen them in the movie and so then we're seeing them again in a ride what that's you're right. doing is pulling it out of I mean you're going to people who their purpose and their superpower in this life is to create these incredible things and you're going to
1: them and you're you are helping pull purpose out of other people just through your dream so to me there is a power behind storytelling. And the power that is behind it is unlocking the imagination. And, and there's so much, there's so far. I was a little girl in the inner city with all of these things going around me in the middle of the drug epidemic, right? In the 1980s that plagued a lot of families, including mine. And I wasn't, I wasn't impacted by it because i was able to go into books and stories and experience the world you escaped i escaped Mm -hmm. and so when i had that illustration done and saw this now tangible connection between the reaction of my children from this story that they were extremely excited about yeah. and now they get to go experience it and see it it unlocks something in me by seeing how much they I'm honestly it's no different from Harry Potter yeah. if you see what has happened with Harry Potter it just shows us that there is a connection between this reading and and of course they did a movie yeah. too so that um well, sure, but
0: it was, Pretty it was, layer. they made a movie because it was such a, a,
1: cult following series anyway. Exactly. And so if we can do that on every single level, so I'm, I'm talking about the three year old, the 18 year old, and allow them to step into these books, to step into these stories and to be a part, I mean, just what that's going to do. And honestly, after I showed my, my boys that they wouldn't finish the series. Oh, and then I contacted the author and started talking to him about, <laughs>
0: well, that was going to be what I was going to ask is actually, how does that on the business side
1: of things, how does that work out? Every story is public domain. Oh,
0: okay. every
1: single one that we have in the park is public domain. It's, it's stories that have withstood the test of time. Gotcha. Um, and so what we've been excited about is carving out some sections though, where we can bring some books to life that people love of this day, at this time, yeah. like trapped in a video game.
0: Yeah, that's sweet. So. I, I just love that. I yeah. love that. And you get to see that visceral reaction from your own children, who you love. And in that's a many right. ways, I mean, this is, you're doing this for them. Yes, yes you're being obedient, but, yes. but this would have never come without children. That's you would have right. never been attuned to that without knowing how excited they would be.
1: It was solving the problem and seeing yeah. what was missing and realizing that, you know, there's this there's this void of... Of, of joy, I mean, we can go to the movies every weekend, we can go to the zoo once a summer, or twice a summer, but.
0: Yeah, I do find something else that, that I find really interesting about your story is something that I see, you know, I've, over the years I've interviewed so many people, specifically people who have purpose, mm-hmm. and something I find over and over and over again is the, the magnetic nature of a person who has purpose because I feel like when someone chooses to be obedient, when someone chooses that, that path, that mm-hmm. purposeful path, it stops becoming about themselves. It starts becoming about everybody else. Yes. But when someone chooses that, others begin to draw toward it because it's, it's not that it's unusual, but it is. It's, yeah. it's unusual to see someone buck the trend and follow their heart you know, follow, follow whatever's in there and say, this is what I'm going to do. So people are magnetized to that. And your story has a lot of magnetic tendencies
1: too. People have just come to you to help you with this. That's true. I, I think that the secret behind that is the execution. You know, we can dream and we can talk, we can, you know, yeah play all day, but until we execute. And for me, what that journey has looked like is I, I'm the type of person where I, uh, I can see the whole tree, the whole forest, but I need to focus on this tree right here in front of me. And um, and if I look at the whole picture, I may get overwhelmed. And a lot of people get overwhelmed and try not to just don't move forward, but I wake up every day and I say, I need to do one thing today that gets me closer, that gets me, I don't need to focus on the big picture. I don't need, I know that it's there. I know where I'm, where I'm, what direction I'm heading in but what is it that I can do today? And that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, 13 years, since I really entered into business. And then you look back and you see how far you've come. Well, one thing every day starts to add up to be something really big. That's right. And that execution, I think is, is then people come in and they see these tangible next steps. Hmm. What is it that I can do? You do this. Yeah. And then let's meet here, You, you know? And so it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Oh,
0: fun, I'm just, fun is, I'm just so excited word. for you, you know, Thank because you. that's the funny thing too about it. It's like it's numbers again, you know, it might start off like this, but eventually the curve starts going. And when the curve goes, the curve goes fast. That's and I right. feel like the attention toward what you're doing is there now. You yeah. know, you've spent several years with just a little bit of growth, a little bit of growth.
1: And now everybody's, everybody's on board with you. And so it's like, whoosh, oh, my you know, goodness. it's huge. You know, it, it really was for me. I've always seen it. Of course right? you have. And so when I was finally able to announce it to the yeah. world, you know, and, and we we chose to announce it when it when it got to a certain point where everybody else could see the credibility. Even though we didn't announce the locations, we sort of uh, were really careful about all of that, just because we needed to be um, to announce it was like this weight lifted. Mm. Well, you've been keeping a secret for That's a long right. time. That's right. Everybody like, was on NDAs. It's like hiding a pregnancy. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And now it's like everybody. And now it's out. I don't have to wear these tight pants anymore. It'll exactly. be fine. <laughs> unbutton my, unbutton my <laughs> right, jacket. Unbutton it. You'll be
0: fine now. Oh, Delisa,
1: thank you so much. Oh, of this course. has been so fun. It's been so good. I really appreciate yeah. your time. It's been good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you're loving the Amstigator podcast, the interviews, the stories, and the vulnerability, I'd really like your help to share it with more people. And you can do that by reviewing it. The more positive reviews a podcast has, the more likely it is that Apple and Spotify and Google and everywhere will share it. And if you take the time to do that, I'm giving you something really special. I'll send you my free ebook that I don't have anywhere else on my website, this is my path to transformation that I started in late 2020. It has my routines, my schedules, uh, what I took on, what I let fall away. It's truly how I do life, honestly, how I work full time at the TV station, how I have three tiny children, how I still make time to do this purposeful work. And it's something exclusively for podcast listeners who leave an honest review. So here's how you get that ebook. If you want it, just go to amstigator.com review. That's where I give step-by-step instructions on how to review the podcast. It takes you two minutes. You'll share your email so I can send you the ebook. Bada bing, bada boom, it's done. And literally, it's something exclusively for my podcast listeners who go to amstigatorcom slash review and follow the steps. It's how I say thank you to you. And your review really can help place this podcast where more people will see it. And that's why I started this, truly, to help as many people as possible. So you're a part of that. amstigator.com/ slash review is where you got to go. Thanks for listening.